is Boom Goddess Radio, igniting inspiration in primetime women. We are Jennifer Davis Page, B.B. Peters, and Dr. Andrea Gould. Good morning. This is Dr. Andrea Gould Marks, and I'm here with my wonderful partners, B.B. Peters and Jennifer Davis Page for Boom Goddess Radio. And today we have a fabulous guest, our own Susan Lusader who is a wonderful, talented, award-winning writer and author of the inspirational blog, which she calls Wine and Cereal. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Hi, Susan. Welcome. Oh, it's lovely to be here. Thank you, ladies. So, Susan, tell us a bit about how this particular writing project came to be. Um, It was, uh, I began um, when I became single, I wanted to uh, start a new project because I had been winding down and was preparing for retirement. But now I have more time on my hands. So I thought, oh, well, I wanted something that would uh, help me deal with this new life. So I took a class with Sheila Bender, who comes into town to teach writing. And it was on very piece, short pieces of, of writing, which I had never done. I'm a journalist. And so I'd always wanted to tell you everything. And um, so I took this class and we did six pieces of short writing in one day. And one of them I read to the class and it was silent. It was absolutely silent. And I thought, oh, God, how bad is this? And um, But it was because they loved it. And I thought, oh, that's my medium. Short, short pieces, which fit, of course, now with electronic media. Um, and so, but then I didn't know what to write about. And uh, some events happened in my life that were... Uh, really sad, but also really funny. And I thought, oh, well, you know, you start as journaling, you know, and then you're like, oh, oh, maybe somebody could learn from this, or maybe someone would be interested in reading this. And that's how it started. And, you know, there's, I had to hire somebody to set up the blog and uh, talked with other professionals. And um, I just launched it. And how did the actual name come about? Uh, Wine and cereal. What a delicious name. Isn't it? And I cannot take credit for it. My marketing fellow, uh, Gary Wagnon, uh, came up with that. Um, You know, when we sat down and brainstormed and because I didn't want to do like 60-ish and single. It sounded like a dating site. Mm -hmm. Um, And he called me back a few days later and he said, what do you think of wine and cereal? And I'm like, oh, that's it. That's it. Yeah. You must have told him some stories oh. about wine and cereal. <laughs> I'm sure I did. Because <laughs> I ate a lot of cereal and drank a lot of wine. <laughs> you know, s- some of our listeners are going to try that as a recipe. You know, They're going <laughs> yes. to pour their favorite wine into a bowl and put some oh, of their oh. favorite cereal in there and see how that works out. Okay. No, you want to do it separate. <laughs> you eat the cereal and drink the wine. <laughs> and of course, never to excess. But, uh, you know, sometimes it's, uh, a glass of wine does the trick. A glass of wine does a trick most of the time. <laughs> yes, most it does. of the time. Yes, it does, Miss Beebe. I mean, Miss Miss Jennifer. Sorry. I was reading your blog and I just had to laugh out loud. You've oh, got good. such an amazing sense of humor. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. And I just loved. I I loved the zipping along log uh, oh. when you were trying. Your girlfriend was trying to talk you into doing zip lining. <laughs> Yes. I thought that was just amazing because, see, that's something Bibi would do. I have done. Yes. I know. Yes. And, and, and see, and that's something that I would never do. So 
I had to laugh about that. Yeah, and this was actually my cousin, and she knew I didn't want to do it, and she just insisted that we were going ziplining, and thank heavens, I sidetracked her with shopping. You know, (laughs) you can always sidetrack her. That could always work. You know, it's so interesting. When we're in a transition, lots of people like to chime in Mm -hmm. and offer their suggestions about what they think would be just the perfect solution to lift us out of wherever we are and into a new space. And I think that, you know, also in in reading your blogs, there's so much first-time stuff, you know, in all of a sudden being single, that in itself is a first time. Mm-hmm. Right. First time in a very, very long time. Yes. And then there's all these other experiences that now you've got a container for. Yes. Yes. And um, it actually encourages me. Um, I remember there's a, a piece about rock climbing at my granddaughter's uh, birthday party. And at first, the other grandma and I were standing at the base of that wall. And we're like, no, we're not going to do this. And then I thought, no, I have to write about it. So <laughs> I got on that wall and climbed. So you were compelled. You were <laughs> driven. You were moved to do that because right. you knew that there was another action that you had to take on the other side. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. That's so cool. Um, so t- can you take us back a little bit to right before you began the blog? And you talked about um, being suddenly single. Uh, how did that uh, evolve and um, develop? How did that uh, transform? Transform me? Yes. Okay. Um, well, at first, uh, you're just a deer in the headlights. You know, that's you're just standing there and like, holy moly, what happened here? Um, but then... You talk to friends and you talk to professionals and uh, everyone says, just put one foot in front of the other, which seems very difficult at the time. Um, But you do. You do. There's a a movie years ago called Last of the Mohicans. And I remember he's leaving her in the woods and he says to her, stay alive. And that was kind of my my mantra. Yeah. Powerful image. Just keep going. And reaching out to friends. That was huge. Um, and again, like I said, I really needed uh, to get back into writing because it's so healing for me. It's incredibly healing. And of course, I was journaling, journaling like crazy, and I'll have to burn those eventually. <laughs> <That's funny>. <laughs> <laughs> so to sort of clarify that, you were married for some period of time, and married. then your spouse said he wanted to leave. How did that go? Oh, I'm sorry. I misunderstood yes. the question. Um, yes, I was married for 42 years, and um, he decided he wanted to date. And so he Isn't left. he precious? Isn't he precious? Oh, yes. my. <laughs> and so I was suddenly, very suddenly, on my own. There's so many ways to be suddenly single. I mean, divorce mm-hmm. is one of them. As some of you know, I was suddenly single when my husband died instantly at work. And I, we didn't get a chance to say goodbye. But then I found myself suddenly single. And there is something about being in that um, sudden place that there's a lot of getting used to and a lot of getting oriented and getting your bearings as opposed to planning yourself out of what you might feel is a less advantaged place into a better place for yourself like you, Bibi. 
Yes, uh, right. And at this point in time, uh, my separation and ultimate uh, divorce continues to unfold. And I am uh, grateful that it is developing not suddenly, but over a period of long time and in a conscious way so that we continue to be supportive of each other. And I wish my uh, soon-to-be ex a uh, great a fortune in his new life. I see us being an extended family for a long period of time, if not forever. So I am very comforted by that. But I am so eager to learn from Susan's experience and how, tell me or tell us and the listeners about what kind of expectations did you have for your single life when you first learned about this huge change that is going to take place in your life? What were your fears and thoughts? Fear, mostly. It was primarily fear. Um, I didn't have a lot of thoughts. I was uh, in survival mode at first, um, you know, adjusting, trying to figure out um, what I was doing, where I was living, um, that kind of thing. And that all worked out pretty quickly. And what I, the, what I learned first is stay active. Don't retreat. Now, there are times when you are, you do, you need to curl it up in bed with a good book, you know, with the dogs laying around you. That's terrific. But don't do that all day. Don't, you know, get up. I, my doctor said, every day I want you to get up, get dressed, and get out of the house. And that was excellent advice. Knowing your husband or ex-husband for 42 years, did you see any signs that this was coming? I did, yes. Um, but I thought it was... A dip, you know how a marriage of forty-two years, you have high points and low points, and I thought, oh well, this is a dip. And I had asked him to go to therapy, but he didn't want to. Um, and then he made his decision and left. And I think you make an excellent point right here. I've asked my ex to go to therapy as well, and his answer was, why don't you go and then tell me what happened when you come back? <laughs> and so that was one of the little tick points that you say, okay, this is one of the ways that I know I'm doing the right thing, because when the other partner doesn't want to participate in the recreation of the life that you have, it's one of those one of the signs that you get, right? Yes, apparently it was. And I'm very good at reading behind me. I was not very good at reading ahead of me. Yeah. One of the things that happens when you are not when you're taken by surprise is that you might not have any vision for being single. I think that's one of the things that happens to so many people. All of a sudden we're caught without a vision. So now we first have to develop First, get oriented, right, and see where we are, get grounded, and then very slowly we develop a vision. But we really can't move anywhere without some vision. That's true. That's true. And, um, and you don't have that right away um, because you're in shock. And so, but that comes, that does come, and you have to learn to appreciate it when it does. Um, I remember one time Several months later, I was in a yoga class, and I looked out the window, and the Palo Verde were blooming against this brilliant blue sky. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the first lovely memories I can remember. And I remember thinking, ah, that's beautiful. And uh, that was a beacon of hope for me. Yes, I could see beauty again. 
Oh, how fantastic is that? Because I get, you know, chills as you speak to that, uh, because our senses come alive uh, again, right? And that is just such an amazing, fruitful awareness of knowing that life is continuing. It's going to go on. It's going to be perhaps as beautiful, if not more so than before. Yeah, the original numbness and shock is the body's response to getting some time under your belt, you know, and and then once that wears off, we can begin to feel again. Was it important for you to know or ask him how long he had been considering this? Um, he actually doesn't talk to me right now. I see. Um, okay. So I don't know. Okay. Um, I'm guessing it was a while um, right. because uh, there were he had made plans uh, quite a while before. I see. Okay. Mm-hmm. And how long since you've divorced now? Uh, it'll be two years in August, so um, a little over a year and a half. Okay. Well, when we come back, we would love to ask you more questions about how you made the adjustment and what lessons you've learned and what I can glean from your wonderful experiences. We'll be right back. And can you tell us about how the dawning, let's call it the dawning awakening began when you finally felt that you were grounded enough, that you felt safe enough, that you had taken care of so many of the things that needed immediate care? And then how did you begin to add in what was going to amount to your own life as a single woman? I think... Um, all of us as women appreciate friends, and it was friends who stepped in. Um, one huge event for me was uh, maybe five or six months um, later, a friend came to me and she said, I'm going on this fabulous New York trip. You need to go with me. And it was full. It was through the learning curve, and it was full. And she said, but, but you know, next year you go with me. Well, I called. Someone had just dropped out that day, and I was able to plug into that trip. Now, I only knew her on this trip, and it was v- so freeing to – I had to make my own – I had to learn how to make my own plane reservations. Um, I didn't have to do hotel or anything like that. That was all taken care of. And I spent this fabulous time in New York at 2 o'clock in the morning – I'm sitting in the hotel bar with all these fabulous people. I had didn't have dinner till eleven o'clock because we'd gone to a show. I mean, it was it's travel and friends and um, I think being open, saying saying yes, saying yes to things. New York is like Frank Sinatra says, the city that doesn't sleep. So at two o'clock in the morning, it's like two o'clock in the afternoon it in is. most cities. It yes, is. it's marvelous. So. It's a great healing city. It is a great healing. And I texted my, my I texted my children. They did not believe me. <laughs> I was up at two in the morning. So girlfriends and travel, those were some of the things. What other things uh, have you began to do that you may not have been doing before as often or ever even? Oh, that I've done before. Um, I'm going to a lot more events. Um, cultural events, things at Centennial Hall, um, the 
concerts. I've a friend who has concerts at her church, and so I, we go to that. I mean, you don't have to spend money. These concerts are free. Um, but getting out, not stewing, not stewing, that's, um, that can drag you down real quick. Um, I always have every weekend something planned, um, you know, whether it's going to lunch with a friend. Um, this weekend I'm going to go see Finding Neverland with a girlfriend. Um, and it's just staying active. I still do many, many things were healing for me. My yoga practice was very healing and my yoga friends were very healing. Um, uh, working with, I work with dogs. Um, and in what way? What do you do? When I do working? dog sports. I do agility and um, nose work. And my, particularly my nose work group, we meet every Thursday morning and it's like my therapy group. And they were there with me the whole way and they let me talk through it and um, they cheer me on, you know. Those cheerleaders <laughs> on our side, I right? Know, I They're know. just jumping up and down and saying, you can do it, go for it. What is it that you've always wanted to do that you can now do, right? Exactly. Mm, exactly. So, so energizing. And how about the actual physical space, the quietness, the absence of another voice, of another presence, of cooking for yourself? How were those changes? Well, first of all, I don't cook for myself. <laughs> <laughs> out to dinner. <laughs> out to dinner. Out to dinner with girlfriends. Um, a bowl of cereal if I'm stuck. Um, I do bake. I bake for my grandkids and that kind of thing. And um, but the I have always enjoyed quiet, so it wasn't a huge. And he traveled a lot and was gone a lot, so being by myself in the house was not as big. Um, a transition as I thought it would be. Also, I have two dogs. That helps a lot. You know, um, you walk around and talk to the dogs. Dogs are highly recommended. Yeah. Or, or cats. Or cats. Yes, yes. exactly. A, yeah. a pet of some sort. Um, yeah. So I, it, it was different. You know, it, it's difficult the first few times you're sitting at home on a Saturday night by yourself and you're thinking, woe is me. Um, but it wouldn't be woe is me. Then all of a sudden I'd get a text from a girlfriend or one of my kids would call or somebody else would. And it's like, I'm, I'm not isolated. There's, thank heavens for phones and social media. I think that that's a really good message to the rest of our listening audience that even small texts and small outreaches when we know a friend is going through a thing, you know, whether it's whether it's suddenly single or whatever it is. Health or anything else. Right. Never to underestimate just even an emoticon to let you know or an emoji to let you know that um, to to let your friend know that you're thinking about them. You know, it's these small things that that we realize that matter. A tremendous amount. And you're also talking about the creation of new memories. Because when you're married for a long time, most of your memories are with your spouse. And then all of a sudden, you're, you're tasked with creating new memories. And that's why the saying yes is so important, because every yes you say is a brand new memory that you'd be making. Have you considered um, the, the dating scene yet? I have dated a few times, yes. Um, I'm still not real comfortable with it. Um, Tell us why. What, <laughs> what well, happens? How's the interaction? <laughs> I have a personal interest in this, you know. <laughs> okay, okay. So the first time was about six months after I was single, and it was a fellow that I had known before. 
And I went out with him a few times, and he was a nice guy, but we just didn't have much in common. And then on the third date, he decided we should have sex. Can I say that? And, yes, um, yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> and I, I was opposed to that idea at that time. <laughs> and so, so I broke it off with him. And then the other was um, a fellow, a uh, retired fellow who had just moved here, and friends had hooked me up. Um, and he, I don't know, I just... It just didn't click. The chemistry just the wasn't chemistry there, there right? wasn't there. And he wasn't, both were nice guys, nothing, you know. Um, I just, I didn't click. And um, I'm so busy right now. I am so busy right now that it. I almost don't have time. But if a handsome man walked in my life, you know you would make time, right? <laughs> okay, yes. so you'd be open to a relationship of some kind if, if Mr. Uh, so-called Wonderful knocked on your door? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Okay. But I'm coming to terms with the fact that I, my, he might not. And so I, I feel like I have to build my life first, right, that absolutely. I have to have my own life. And if Mr. Wonderful were to knock on the door, terrific. I'll make room. Um, but I'm not going to count on it. And I'm not going to pine for it. I'm going to have a great life. So let me just ask this. If, based on what you've just said, you'd be okay with not having a, a mate for the rest of your life? You'd be okay? I, I mean, I would be accepting. Uh, I, I would prefer to have a mate. Okay. But I need to, uh, what's really important to me right now is to know that I could be single the rest of my life, that this is something I could accomplish, and it would be a full life, and it would be a lovely life. Um, but do would I like a, a mate? Yeah, sure. But I'm not, um, I'm not saying it will happen, and I'm preparing if it doesn't. So many times in our life, we need to walk with a foot in both worlds. I mean, even if we don't like the job that we're in, but we can't afford to leave it. So we stay in our job, and we look for something else. And it's almost like the same thing now. You come to terms with acceptance, and at the same time, you let the world know that you're open to new experiences. So we need to straddle. Those. So Both. you won't be going on date.com then? I'm not ready for that yet. I've looked at the sites and, and I am intrigued. Um, but I'm also, I was in a relationship since I was 15 years old. So it's, a, it's scary for me. And um, I'm, I'm hoping that I will get enough courage. But I, right now, my courage is going to building this life. So is he the only man you've been with physically? I see. Okay. Yeah. So, see, there's a lot of fear there. Yeah. Holy yeah. moly. Mm -hmm. And particularly as we mature in age, we have different perspectives about our bodies and concerns. And uh, there is that need to get closer to a person emotionally first before we expose our nakedness to, to them. So I really appreciate and understand why you said no to sex, that to that first guy who um, wanted to be with you. It makes sense. You were not ready for it. Your mental and your physical space wasn't there for him yet. Well, and I I didn't like him enough. To right. Well, that's important. <laughs> right. That's really yeah. important. I right. mean, um, I have, would have to be really physically attracted, I think. And the other piece about it is that when you start having a very interesting life that you design on your own, you're not wanting to waste time with what wouldn't work, what you know definitely wouldn't work. The other part, just to go back to building a vision, and this comes to me from many people with whom I've spoken, that exposing oneself, though, to the online selection 
very often women use the word window shopping, you get to see the great variety that's out there. And you can, through not through relationship with any one of those people, but you can begin to build a vision of what does interest you and what doesn't interest you without even having to be out there physically interacting. That's I I understand that. I'm just that's a big step for me. <laughs> and and I'm hoping I will be able to do that soon. Um but this this summer I'm traveling um, for the next 6 or 7 months I'm traveling with my children and with um friends and I don't have time right now. I mean, I, I because to me, if I'm going to develop a relationship, I'd like to take some time with it. And right now, I'm a shooting star right now. Well, when you're ready, you're ready. You're, you know, exactly. You'll know when you're ready. And I was speaking with a, a woman the other day at lunch, and she just turned 75 years old. And she's been single for a, a long time. And she decided she didn't want to be single anymore. She went to date.com. She met a lovely man. That was three weeks ago. And they just bought a house together. Oh, okay. yeah, because both of them said that at this t- part time in their life they're ready not to be by themselves anymore. And they bought a house, and they they're gonna just go for it. You go. So I told her how brave she was, and I've not seen her smile like that in a very long time. So all kinds of things to ha- can happen when you're ready. I my motto right now is anything can happen at any time, and um, you know, I'm just open for possibilities. Uh, I just, um, you know, as I'm staying busy with girlfriends and events and my children and uh, and the dogs. You know, that I love working with dogs. I do enjoy that. Well, tell us about this wonderful trip you're embarking on with your son next week. Tell ne- us about that. Okay. Well, um, my older son turned 40, and um, I asked him what he wanted, and what he wanted was a trip to Africa. So his wife has no desire to go to Africa. So he and I are going to Africa for two weeks, um, doing a safari, um, you know, just spending time together. And that's the greatest gift to me, to spend two weeks with your grown son. Yeah. After we come back, we want to really get back into the blog and talk about the kinds of ways that you reframe your experiences by sitting and writing. Can we do that? Absolutely. Okay, we're back with Susan Luzader, author of the of the blog Wine and Cereal, which is a companion name to Suddenly Single. And Susan, we were wondering how you reframe experiences by writing. What um, when something happens to me, and I'll give you the uh, most recent example. I was trying to buy some tickets online, and it was incredibly frustrating. I mean, where you know, press two, and then you press two, and then they say, "Well, okay, press one, two, or three. So it was just one of those, you know. And it took like an hour, and I was so frustrated and angry, and I put it aside. But I knew that there was something there. I mean, uh, 
for something me, something funny, something funny, exactly. <laughs> and there is something funny of me sitting there pushing buttons and saying bad words, and <laughs> you know, there is. But and and that it, that's how I got started with this. I'd had a really bad experience with a therapist, and it was funny. I mean, it was it was funny, and I started writing about that. To um, the writing lets me see this situation from a humorous, but what is funny in this situation? What will people laugh at in this situation? And they're usually, in most situations, there is something humorous. And it's my job to take these episodes in my life and show you, okay, yeah, that was, you know, I spent an hour on the phone punching buttons and saying bad words. And, and I hope I hope you're recording this because I'm... Blah, 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 blah. And, <laughs> Um, but then it, it, you know, it will. It's in the process of becoming a piece. So I take whatever experience I'm having, particularly if it's a bad experience, and think, you know, digest it for a while. And is there something humorous in this? And there usually is that you can turn into a story. And do you do that also with fear or pain or any other emotion that you may be experiencing in? something that is happening? And are you able to then include that in your blogs as well? Yes, yes. In a more indirect way. Um, for instance, the story about trying on bathing suits. And it's a huge fear at this age, trying on bathing suits. You know, well, I made that, it, it, it turned out it was a funny story with my it cousin. It was a very funny story. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but, you know, you could walk away from that situation with just the fear and the self-loathing, let's face it. When you look at yourself in a bathing suit, it's self-loathing all over again. Um, but but it's funny, too. I mean, these 60-ish women trying on bathing suits because they're going to be with the grandkids, so we need to cover up, and, um, and, you know, our bodies are not what we would like. Well, so many women have thought that same thing, and you've put it into a beautiful blog, and it did make me laugh because I did that same thing, you know, in terms of buying a bathing suit for a cruise that I, and I'm looking for, the most important thing was the wrap. Did it come with something to wrap around <laughs> exactly, myself? Exactly, so. exactly. Creative yeah, wrapping. Exactly. Yeah. Definitely, exactly. yes. yes. <laughs> or a pair of shorts. That, yeah. that you can wear these, um, I think I'm called surf shorts now, and you can put those on instead of letting it hang out, you know. But yes, it's uh, usually when I'm writing, it's about something I'm afraid of or something, um, a challenge, um, something, yeah, um, that it may not particularly be happy. But And uh, do you get comments from your readers with possible ideas or friends? Do you bring that into the fold or are they basically your own experiences? Um, I do get I get feedback from from friends and family, particularly my mother. Um, but <laughs> um, I got a really interesting comment um, from a friend. Um, again, this Thursday morning class that I take, and we were sitting there, and she said, "I read your latest piece, and you know, it just didn't seem authentic." And I was like. You're right. And in my heart as a writer, I knew it wasn't. And she zeroed, she's an editor. She zeroed in on it. It's like you're wandering wow. away, you know, get back on point. Um, and it wasn't a terrible piece. It's just it wasn't um, writing comes from within. And this was more a surface story kind of thing. Um, and she was absolutely right. So I listen. Yeah. So interesting while you're writing that you can choose the words, you can slow down your entire experience that might feel quite 
out of control. And you can choose words that are going to change the way you're feeling. Exactly. And that's that's the power of writing. That is the power. And it doesn't have to be writing. It could be drawing or um, dance, anything. It's that you take this experience that was probably scary, probably not something you would have chosen to do, and you reinterpret it through creativity. And that's the, uh, that it, it makes the whole experience a really nice thing instead of scary. And do you find that um, sometimes it comes to you in a more expeditious and natural way to be able to express your words in a flow as opposed to other times where you have to ponder and think a little more? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Some of them are full-blown. Something will happen and I go, ah, and I start, because I have pieces of paper all over my house. I write, you know, anything pops in my head. I have a pad of paper in the car because a lot of stuff comes in the car. And some of them are like, I know this one. It may not necessarily turn out that way, but I've got to start. Other times I'm sitting down on Monday morning and I got nothing. I got nothing. So I just put a sentence on the paper and it's like taking little tiny steps. And then I put another sentence on the paper. And it may be that I throw those sentences out, but I've made a start. It's, uh, I think it's my training in journalism that um, I don't get writer's block. Um, I, w- I will write. It may not be what I think I should be writing, but I, I will sit there and pound something out because eventually what wants to be said will find its way onto the page. Let's talk a little bit about that, about discipline as a writer. Oh, it's so easy to not be disciplined as a writer. Oh, look, I have to put a load of laundry in. Oh, the dogs. As <laughs> a matter of fact, I have a piece that's going to be in the next few weeks about that, about how easy it is to sit there and, um, oh, a text. Oh, this. You know, oh, I, the dog needs to be petted. You know, um, that kind of stuff. It's very easy. And you have, for me, I, I don't think everybody, yeah, writers are all different. We all have our our um, idiosyncrasies and routines and routines. For me, it's the journalist in me that I sit down and I write. And, and when's your time? Mornings, mornings. I get up in the morning, uh, feed the dogs, walk the dogs, come back. Usually we'll just check email and that, see if there's anything that needs to be addressed right away. And then I go back, go right into it. And, um, and I don't have, some people have a word count that they have to put on paper. I just know when I'm done for the day. That this is this is all this is all that's coming, and um, and then I move on. This something. is the glory of blogs. Yes. Right. And have you found that because of your blogs, wine and cereal blogs, that uh, you use that almost as a uh, journaling mechanism to express some of your life incidences, and has the writing of it helped you in the transition period that you've had over the last two years? Oh, it absolutely has helped me because I've taken these situations um, and made myself say, there's something funny in this. You know, there is something funny in this. And often you need sometimes months and months of distance from it. And then it, boom, there was one I did last week and it was something I'd done last summer. It was, I took a gun handling course. Um, Interesting. <laughs> yes. It's good for you. Oh, yeah, I, good was, for you. Yeah. Anyway, and, and then that was last summer. And so all of a sudden it's like, oh, that was the funny part about it. Oh, now I get it. Um, and, and wrote about that. It's not published yet, but it will be. Um, so, yes, it, it, abs- it forces me on Monday morning to sit down and say, 
what happened last week that was humorous, that I can learn a lesson from, that somebody else can maybe get a moment of of lightness from. And that's the storytelling aspect, you know, and how much distance you really need, because you can have something happen to you at 830 in the morning, and you can be telling that story at 930 in the morning, and the next thing you know, it's a funny story. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Whereas it might have been very inconvenient and very enraging. But in the retelling, just a little bit of distance later, it becomes funny, or you make it funny. Do you start your blogs with a pen and paper, or do you start on the computer? Um, I start on the computer. Well, it's hard to tell because, again, something pops in my head, and I write it down. So I've got slips of paper and index cards scattered all over my house. So did it start then, or did it start when I sat down at the computer with that idea? I, I I can't really answer that. Um, the stories, when they start in my head, um, they they fuss at me. They fuss. And um, it's like I'll be driving along and I'll think, oh, that's the wrong word that I wrote this morning. I have to do that. And so I write that down. Um, the stories evolve, and I'll know they're done when they quit talking to me. When I don't hear that voice in my head saying, fix this word or don't forget to say this. Um, then I know that piece is finished. Are your blogs from your own experiences or have any of your girlfriends that may not have the writing skill or the courage to write their story? Have they ever said to you, I've got something I really want you to share. It's my story. And would you mind writing about it so other women can learn from it? Have you ever done that? I have not. Um, um, No one's asked me. Um, And I think it would be difficult because this blog is so personal. Okay. It's my journey. Um, And I certainly, um, I use a lot of um, uh, quotes and, uh, you know, uh, um, people talk a lot in my stories. And so I have grabbed stuff that other people have said and plugged in there. I know particularly... um, Sometimes over drinks, you know, women will say very interesting things and take that conversation and put it in there, but it's not their journey. It's my journey listening to those words. I want to go back for just a second and ask a psychologically based question because thank gosh we have a psychologist on our team. Yes, yes. yes. So uh, I'm just imagining the beneficial value to us from not only through the blog, not only are you able to journal, but you're adding humor. You've mentioned this many different times, that humor is one of the elements that drives your writing. So Dr. Andrea, how does that impact us when you're adding that wonderful lushness of humor as well as the recollection of the memory from a week ago or more. You know, that's what we were talking about before when we're talking about the choosing of words, because basically what writing does, whether it contains humor or not, it puts us back in the driver's seat in terms of how we feel. Even telling a story, and I'm sure we've all experienced this, that we've experienced it one way, and it might be demoralizing, or it might be depressing, and that's how we feel it. And yet in the retelling, we choose to tell it somewhat differently. It doesn't have to be a big change, but it shifts our internal perception and therefore our moods. So I was going to ask Susan relative to this. The more you get used to writing with humor, does it become easier for you? It certainly is easier than it was uh, this time last year. Um, and and I, I am consciously thinking now 
you know, every time something happens to me, oh, is this the block? Is this the block? Mm-hmm. Um, but it but it does much come come much quicker. Um, you know, I can often get at least a rough draft of a piece at one sitting now, whereas before it may have taken me a couple of weeks. Um, so I can often it now I may throw that whole thing out. I mean, writing is nothing but rewriting and editing. Um, but I will have you know had maybe gotten five hundred words a day, um, but. Maybe not too, you know. And if and if something's, you know, if I sit there and nothing's coming, then I go back and start editing previous pieces because at least, and then then usually something will pop into yeah, my head. Yeah, because we have such associative brains that we have the we have the um, ability to associate to our own words too, and then change them around. But there's also the need to stay in con- the need to be in control of our lives, and that's the good news is that we can affect the way our brain works. So Susan has trained her brain to say what would make somebody laugh or what is the humor in here. Um, somebody else who's sitting, let's say, and journaling is going to pause and say, "How can I choose a word?" that's going to leave me feeling more powerful and less disenfranchised. I mean, we don't necessarily say that whole thing, but we look at those words and we say, okay, which one is going to leave us feeling the best that we can possibly feel? And that's, I think, the real psychological benefit of, of writing, whether we're writing a blog or, or whether it's, we're writing it's control. a story. It's control. It's control. It's control of the situation. I've taken it back. Mark Twain once said, um, the difference between exactly the right word and the almost right word is the difference between the lightning and the lightning bug. Um, and he's absolutely <laughs> right. When you get that right word, it is magic. It's like, that's it. That's it. What a wonderful place to pause our conversation. And maybe we need to come back to this kind of conversation another time. But thank you so much, Susan Lazader, for sharing your process with us. Thank you so much, ladies. This has been a delight. Absolutely. And we've all learned a lot. everyone. We are so delighted to be here with Susan Luzader, the imaginative and creative author of a most marvelous blog called Wine and Cereal. And in just a moment, we'll find out exactly where you can find it. But we are wrapping up this uh, luscious discussion, but we have something else to share and add. And that is we're talking about stepping into singledom uh, as a process for many of us, including Susan and myself, who are experiencing that. And we have a major announcement to share with everyone as well. And Jennifer, can you tell us about the amazing event that we will be hosting on October the 27th? Yes, we're going to have a masquerade party at the um, 
uh, the historic Tucson train station and train museum. It's going to be great fun. It's going to be for singles and for married people and people that are in love. Everybody's going to be there. Everybody's going to be there. So save the date. It's going to be October 27th, Saturday from five o'clock until they kick us out. (laughs) I'm loving that. So uh, we are looking forward to seeing Susan there. We're looking forward to seeing all of us as well as our listeners, and we'll have more information coming about that soon. But right now, let's just get back into the business of identifying where Wine and Cereal blog is. So Susan, where is that? It's at wineandcereal.com, and you can also access it on Facebook at Wine and Cereal, all one word. All one word, and and is spelled out, wineandcereal.com. We are so excited to have you here and talk to you about it, about your life, about the blog, about your process and your upcoming adventure to Africa. Thank you for being a most wonderful guest. Thank you, ladies. This has been wonderful. Thank you. For more information, visit our website, boomgoddessradio.com, and follow us on Facebook, Boom Goddess. We'd love to hear from you. Your interest powers our program.